Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Genesis 45 to 47. Do you trust God? No, really. Do you trust the Lord? Nowhere is that probably going to be put to test, to the test, as much as when you are mistreated by others. That's where it gets difficult. Remember back when you were learning math growing up? At one point, there's kind of a beautiful simplicity to it. When you're learning that 2 plus 2 equals 4. When you're learning your multiplication tables. right? It's all simple. It all makes sense. And then eventually, you start learning things like the quadratic equation. And you're getting into derivatives. And you're like, when did this get so complicated? That's kind of what we're getting into today in, in trusting God. Because it's one thing when your car breaks down. You know, and I'm, I'm trusting God. God is in control because there's no one else to to blame, right? Something happens, something out of your control, an accident or something, and you're saying, "Hey, God's in control. He knew this was going to happen." That gets a lot harder when somebody else does something evil to you. Because now it's not, well, just something happened. It's they did something to me. And to trust God in those situations can honestly be a lot harder because you're not really thinking about God and how he's in control of the situation. You're going to be tempted to focus on that other person, to blame them, to get bitter towards them, to get revenge on them. That's a tricky thing. This is kind of advanced trusting God. And I don't know that there's a better example of someone in the Bible, probably outside of what happens with Christ and the crucifixion, than what we see here with Joseph. And even how we see him process this and how we see him respond to this and the reconciliation that we see God bring with his brothers. Now, yesterday, we did uh, review uh, kind of this idea of reconciliation and what that might look like. And we focused a little more yesterday on Judah and how God worked a change in him that helped bring the reconciliation. Today, we are going to look more at the example in Joseph and what God had done in his heart to bring the reconciliation. We ended chapter 44 yesterday with Judah basically offering up his life in the place of Benjamin for the sake of Benjamin and even more, really, for the sake of his father, Jacob. Well, that, that's where it picks up today. In the wake of that, we go right into chapter 45. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he makes everyone go out. He's weeping aloud. I mean, imagine this scene. What in the world is going on? And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? 
But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Well, I'll bet. I'm not surprised that they were dismayed. Hey, this brother that we thought um, we've sold into slavery, here he is, and he's kind of a big deal. And, uh, you know, we're kind of in trouble with him. But look at immediately how soft Uh, And winsome his words are to his brothers. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. And then he goes on to talk about the famine, and it's going to be five more years. And then he gets back to this same language. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. These are amazing words. And really, it shows an incredible amount of trust in the sovereignty of God. And you need to have that same trust. And you need to have that same trust when you are mistreated by somebody else. When someone else does something to you, something hurtful, something perhaps even totally unjustified and unwarranted, you need to realize that even in those moments, God is still sovereign. God is still in control. It is not as if God is only in control of of natural disasters or things that go wrong. Uh, That's not the fault of any one particular person. But then when it's someone else that does something, then God is helpless and off the hook. No, God is always in control. And you might look at this and say, well, yeah, at least Joseph got to see what God was doing. At least Joseph could see how God had used him to uh, protect life. Uh, Well, put yourself in Joseph's shoes, for instance. That's kind of easy for you to say from this vantage point. Uh, Imagine again what happened to Joseph. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. Do you think the fact that he sees that, oh, well, I'm in this big position now and I'm actually able to help them. Oh, that's not just necessarily going to be easy. That it's not, that's not just going to automatically overcome all the hurt that he must have experienced from that, how devastating that was, how wrong that was. Do you think being able to see God's hand in it just, oh, well, yeah, this is easy now. No, he shows an incredible amount of trust in the sovereignty of God. And so I don't know if you are in a conflict right now, but I want you to realize, and that's where the conflict that you are in, at least I kind of hope so for your sake, the conflict that you may be involved in uh, is probably less dramatic than your brothers selling you into slavery. It could be as as simple as your boss is very difficult to work with, or there could be some family strife, or maybe it's a disobedient child in your life, and it's frustrating to you. It's hard for you. You need to remember God is sovereign even over that, and that doesn't absolve people of responsibility for what they have done, but we must always trust in the sovereignty of God, and we see 
that really that truth has had an effect on Joseph's heart. And clearly when this time comes, he is ready and eager and quick uh, to forgive his brothers. Even as soon as he reveals his identity, he is immediately speaking words of comfort to his brother. That's because these truths had a grip on his heart. And so I want these truths to get such a strong grip on your heart that when there's that opportunity for reconciliation, that you will be quick to take it because you are looking past the misdeeds of of somebody else to remember the sovereignty of God. Now, even all that's gone on before has helped to bring about this reconciliation. Joseph has um, seen a change in them. And uh, I think Joseph, though, still was was ready to reconcile. I don't think we need to emulate, hey, if, if you feel like somebody is wronged, do you frame them for a crime and see if they actually show some repentance? No, that's not the takeaway from these last several chapters, but letting the truth of the sovereignty of God Get your heart in a place where you are ready to be gentle when, from a human perspective, you have every right to be harsh. Let the sovereignty of God seep into your mind and your heart in such a way that it uh, takes you there. And then the rest of the chapters really show uh, how the family then comes down to Egypt. One interesting note is when Joseph tells his brothers, do not quarrel along the way. As if maybe they might leave fighting. Well, I I told you we shouldn't have sold Joseph or I I told you he was, hey, don't fight about this. Let's move past the conflict. Let's move forward. And Joseph, um, the the whole family of Joseph's extended family comes down to Egypt and God, this is kind of the, another significant part of the reading today. God reaffirms his promises to Jacob. You see that in chapter 46 where God appears to Israel, that's Jacob's new name, in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. Then he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt for there I will make you a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt and I will also bring you up again and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. Now that's a great comfort helping Um, Jacob is pretty old at this point, so moving probably wasn't the easiest thing for him to do, but here's God reaffirming his promise. And then we see, if you go all the way to the end of our reading today, you see that Jacob is still walking by faith because when it comes time for him to die, he tells Joseph to, to promise him to put your hand under my thigh. You don't need to do that next time you ask somebody to to promise you something. Um, But he's saying, don't bury me in Egypt, but let me lie with my fathers. Carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. So he believes God when God tells him to go to Egypt and he believes God when God promises that he will bring his people out. And so to the end, we see Jacob walking by faith in the promises of God, which is um, what we see over and over again in Genesis. We see God again and again revealing himself through promises, and we see the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, most notably, responding to those promises in faith. So let's have faith in God, in the promises of God, and let's keep that faith in God when we get into that advanced test 
that real test of whether we trust the sovereignty of God when we are mistreated by somebody else. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.